Turning back with me now as we consider that last saying of Jesus upon the cross from John 19.30, hear now the word of the Lord, from beginning at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with the sour wine, put it on a hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was the high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Our gracious Father, as we consider this completed work of Christ, open our hearts up this evening that we might see Him with greater grandeur, with clearer faith, with greater glory, that we might understand and appreciate with greater measure the love that He has for us and the love that our God has for us, and that we might be faithful stewards of the good works that you have foreordained that we should walk in them, that with the Apostle Paul we might say at the end of our life that we have run the race and we have finished the course. Lord, we pray that you would now ignite the words of our Savior into our own hearts and energize us according to your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Lately in the news, I was catching a report that there's an increase in squatters. I don't know if you caught this, but there's a lot of homeless people now that are finding vacated homes, maybe vacation homes, and they are living in them and squatting upon them to such a degree that now the owners of the homes, when they find out about it, are having a difficult time ejecting the homeless. In some cases, there is this squatter's rights that has been given because they have been in the home for so long that they have taken it over. Well, that's, in a sense, what Satan has done in this world. His world was not his, but he came and he began squatting in it. And it was time now for him to be cast out of God's earth. As we consider these last words of Jesus, it is finished. They marked a significant cataclysmic change in the world. Our world has not been the same since. When I was in my first year of seminary, I was enrolled in a class called Systematic Theology. The teacher came in one day and he said something that caught us all a little bit by surprise and frankly it didn't really set well with us at first. We didn't quite understand it. Well, systematic theology is a a discipline of taking the Bible's subjects that it teaches and understanding what the Bible teaches on those subjects, but looking at the entirety of the scriptures from passage to passage and comparing them. 
the Trinity, for instance, is the product of systematic theology. It is not a biblical term, but it is a biblical doctrine that the Bible teaches. It doesn't teach that in merely one place. But the principles and the concepts of the Trinity are present throughout the entirety of the Bible, and to understand the nature of God revealed in the Scripture, we understand Him as a Trinity, one God existing in three persons. We come to that by the process of systematic theology. It is one approach to the Scriptures that is necessary to understand certain aspects of the Bible. It is done with a scientific approach. So then that one day when the professor walked into the class, the thing that caught our attention was he says, okay, let's do theology. And we weren't really used to thinking about the study of God by doing theology. But in a sense, that was true. He, he approached it like a math class or a physics lab. And in a sense, that's the way you do approach systematic theology. The study of theology from that system's perspective and how we understand the Trinity is also how we understand sin and the need for atonement and how that relates to atonement and how that atonement works through a substitutionary uh, innocent victim for the guilty party, how re reconciliation is made to God and restoration of the sinner is made, how all of that works, we understand through the discipline of systematic theology, the science of it all. And it is a necessary discipline, but it is not the only approach. The context in which we see Jesus and hear these words that are before us have a significant influence on how broadly we can appreciate them. It is important to realize that Jesus did come here to do something. He did come here and He did finish that which He came to do. Since the time of the Reformation, we have dealt with this topic rather systematically in order to recover the accurate understanding of the penal substitutionary atonement, which was good, it was right, and it was necessary. And when Jesus said, it is finished, He did indeed mean that the sacrifice now once and for all has been given the payment for our redemption has now been paid. The work of atonement has now been fulfilled. Everything in the ceremonial law that it was teaching has now been completed. However, if you hear those words of our Savior only in that context of systematic theology, in doing theology... You will be very limited in your perspective of what was going on when he spoke those words. Let's remember now what John is doing in his gospel. 
He begins in a parallel fashion with Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning of the Bible, there is the creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he creates light and subsequently day by day, a progressive fashion in six days, creating the entirety of the heavens and the earth, where he placed a garden of Eden, a very special place upon this earth, where then God would come and he would take his rest in and among the creation to enjoy that which he had made very good. Each of those days of creation and successive building of this temple, this garden temple space, finds its climax in the creation of man, which was the image of God. And what do you do with images? You put them in a temple. And that's what God did. He makes the image bear man and he puts him in his garden temple to till it and to keep it, to cultivate it and to protect it from intrusion. When the garden temple space was finished, then God established a very special time for man and God to come together, a special place that he called Sabbath. And it all goes together, that that space and that time, the invisible with the visible, the creator with the creature. When God comes to an end of it all, in Genesis 2, He says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done, And he rested the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. When Adam fell into sin, he plummeted himself, the entirety of humanity and all of creation into a state of fallenness and sinful rebellion against God. Man then forfeited to Satan His right to take dominion over the earth. And so Satan comes in as a squatter and takes up his residence here, which was not fit or designed for him. He does that until the last Adam, Christ, comes. When Adam fell from his state of innocency and rebelled against God, then God removed man from the garden temple. He was no longer holy. He didn't protect the garden as God had intended and instructed. And then God guards that entrance to the garden with cherubim. When Jesus then arrives on the scene, John begins to paint the picture in the likeness of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. And what we see John doing is presenting Jesus as establishing a new creation, a a new heaven and a new earth. 
A new creation in recovering that which was lost, claiming back earth as man's dominion. Reestablishing the garden temple space where God and man can meet together in fellowship and harmony. Reestablishing the God time of the Sabbath as a special time where God and man enjoy one another. That day in the week where time and eternity meet. Bringing man back into a relationship with God by addressing that sin issue that stood in the way. Also restoring the image of God in man so man could be about the work that God had intended him to do from the beginning. All that was lost and broken in the fall was now being repaired and reconciled and restored and fixed and addressed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The Garden of Genesis 1 that was heading toward a garden city of Revelation 21 and 22 was now back on course through the Son of God, through Jesus. As He hung there upon the cross, bearing all of our guilt, all of our sins, all of the filth, and yet innocent. As John's Gospel begins the same way that Genesis does in the beginning. He wants us to track right along with that in Jesus' life and His ministry here. And when God comes to the end of His Genesis creation, He says of that creation, it is finished. That's what's going on with these words of Jesus on the cross. The very word that Jesus uttered was the same word that God says in Genesis 2.1. It is finished. And Jesus says, it is finished. Creation, it is finished. The impact of His meaning here upon the cross has a grand understanding in the great story of God's work of His creative work, of His redemptive work, of His established new work in Christ, His elevated work. God through Christ has now with Jesus' life and work, He now has created a new temple space, a new heaven and earth space where God can come together with man and, and fellowship and walk with Him in the cool of the garden of the day. Where heaven and earth come together in the person of Jesus, the new temple. The cross was the culminating work that Jesus had to complete. And now the work set in motion the new creation. That's what he came to do as the last Adam, the final Adam the perfect Adam, head of a new race. It was a very dark hour as he hung there, but it was not the final hour. It was the end of an act, 
but not the end of the story. The dark powers focus their energies on Jesus and unleashed their strongest blow. And creation felt it and, and it roared and the day grew dark and the earth rumbled and the ground trembled. The cosmic battle had come to its climax. Jesus' creative work here on earth was finished. The veil in the temple rent in two, and Jesus, the Son of God, the Jews' Messiah, was dead, hanging on the cross. And now, He could enter His rest. John doesn't want us to miss that part of the story. He wants us to see how it's all connected. So he informs us that the following day was the Sabbath and he informs us that Jesus had to be taken down from the cross and, and laid in the grave. Because the Sabbath day is the day that God finishes, has finished His work and now He enters into His rest. On this Sabbath day, Jesus lay in the tomb resting from His creational work which was now finished. These words of Jesus are His acknowledgement that His work here, that He came to do, has, has finished. He could now rest as He did on that Sabbath day. Yes, it included the penal substitutionary atonement. But it was so much more than that. A new heavens and a new earth had been inaugurated. A new covenant era had begun. The visible and the invisible are now reunited. Creator and creature have come together. The dominion of man in Christ has now been restored to the earth. And the squatter in the earth and all of his minions are now defeated. The image of God in man is now being repaired and it is all back on track heading for the garden city of glory. And here Jesus now rests on the Sabbath day. His work is finished. The Sabbath is an important aspect in all of this restorative work of Christ. John shows Jesus healing the sick, particularly so on the Sabbath. When he was questioned for it, his answer was, well, my Father is working unto now, so therefore I must be working, because I came to do the Father's will. And what He shows me, that which is what I do. And He is showing me to heal this man on the Sabbath. And so John emphasizes the healing of Jesus of people on the Sabbath day to make a point about that. But now all the work is over. Jesus rests on the Sabbath in the grave. On this seventh day Saturday, two creative orders overlap. The old and the new. This special Sabbath the only one like it in all of the history of the world would mark an end of the old, awaiting the new. 
The next day, after the Sabbath, was the eighth day. John makes a good bit out of calling it the eighth day. It is the first day of the week, and that would be when everything is now new. Without the eighth day, the seventh day of rest would have no power. And without the seventh day of rest, the eighth would never come. The eighth day, the first day of the week, the day when Christ would rise from the dead and come out of the grave, is the day in history that all things have their new beginning. And Christ is the first fruits of our resurrection. And in Christ today, we have already been made a new creation. Behold, all things of old have passed away. All things in Christ have become new. His kingdom is not of this world, while it still is in the world. Now creation is back on track. It's heading toward its purposed end. It's not surprising when we pick up the story in John's gospel on the Lord's day, we see Mary looking for the missing body of Jesus in a garden and mistaking Jesus for the gardener. A mistake that wasn't too far off the mark. The significance of what Jesus came to do and what He finished is incalculable. He defeated sin. He overcame death. He defeated Satan. He restored the image of God in His people and He established a whole new race of people. He established a new Sabbath. He establishes a new creation. New space of God's space, new time of God time in which He enjoys His creation and invites them into His rest. And now we are to go and we are to live in the light of Christ's finished work. We all have work to do. We must now live as God's image bearers according to the original purpose that He has given to us so that as the waters do cover the sea, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord God will go throughout all of the earth. And that's part of our work. God energizes His people to cultivate this new creation that Jesus began. The work We do, we do in the name of Jesus, and it has lasting fruit right into the glorious new heavens and new earth. And we're a part of the wonderful story of how God has put forth in each one of us good works that He has foreordained that we should walk in them, and He has saved you unto those good works. So as Paul is writing back, writing to the church of Colossae and at the very end of the epistle where he's writing and he's giving his closing salutations, he wants to stir up Archippus as he might want to stir us up as well. And he says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. So let us now, each one of us, finish The work that God has given to us. It is finished. Well done, thou good and faithful servant of God.
our gracious Father, as we consider this story, this drama being played out in this cosmic way between the heavens and the earth and the invisible and the visible, between God and the arch enemy of God and being played out here on the battleground of the earth, how thankful we are that Jesus came and He started and He finished the work He came to do perfectly and completely. We give You our praise. We give You our thanksgiving for the, the, the grandeur of this that You have created, the likes of which our eyes have not seen nor our minds can even imagine the glory that yet awaits for the people of God that Christ has given to us as He has set us free in the liberty upon the cross of Jesus, we are thankful that we now have access into the Holy of Holies through Him, through His flesh, which is the veil into which we enter the presence of God to see Your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Energize us with Your Spirit this evening, this day, that we would go forth from here to do and to finish the work You have given us to do with the remaining days that we have to live this life, that we might also hear those words, well done, Thou good and faithful servant. May we finish well. Grant us the grace. And be glorified in it, we pray, for the sake of Jesus and in his name, amen.